Coast to Coast Combat Hour. This is the one after the big UFC 241 card in Anaheim. As always, Ed Carbohol here with Matthew the Bleacher Creature Hawkins. That was at the event. Uh, how was it out there, man? It was hot outside. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the event was cool. Uh, obviously, we'll get to the fights. Uh, coming into the event, they had a fan village. I think they called it a fan experience now set up outside the arena uh, and they actually had some bigger names Masvidal, uh, Ferguson Dominic Reyes uh, Ashley Evans-Smith uh, I think Henry Cejudo so they had some bigger names out there uh, and it was it was it was free to the public outside so there were some bigger lines for the uh, for some of the bigger names I, I got in line and got to meet uh, Dominic Reyes and I, it was like a 10 minute line so nothing nothing too extreme but that was nice. They had that set up with the the gift or the, the merchandise stuff outside. So, uh, and the big UFC. Uh, if you've been to an event, the big U, big UFC uh, lettering, basically yeah, yeah. for people to take pictures in front of and stuff. So that was nice. I hadn't seen that at uh, many events lately, uh, at all really. I mean, Vegas usually has the lettering, but yeah. I, I haven't seen any kind of real fan village. Uh, at any of the ones I've gone to. So that was that was nice to see. It's something for the fans. There was a lot of fans I was talking to that honestly didn't have tickets for the event because it had sold out quick. But just being big fans of the sport, they were there and able to meet some people. And, you know, for the average fan, that's a, a really cool thing. You know, I always talk about how spoiled I am. But it's still cool to be able to meet somebody, get a nice photo, and, and uh, do all that before the fights. Uh, with that said, rolling into the event, the, uh, the Honda Center, for those that haven't been there, is a really nice arena. It was opened in 1993, but you couldn't even tell. Looks like it was open yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, everything's real clean, nice. Uh, the upper level where I tend to sit. Now, I, I get lower lo- lower row seats as much as I can, and this one I was in row one. Um, but it's real steep, so you get a real nice view. It's a hockey arena, so there's a real long sideline, uh, which which is which has always been good for the fights that they, they've had at that arena. Um, now, getting to the fights... Uh, started off a little slow. I mean, all the fights were pretty good. I, yeah. I didn't really have any complaints as far as entertainment-wise, but the first seven fights did go to a decision. So, yeah. no matter what your situation is, you start to wonder if you're in for a long day. Um, especially... The, I mean, yeah. there was fights that I saw that I was just like, I, I didn't mind that they went to a decision, you know. I mean, we'll get to, obviously, we'll get to the ones that everyone's talking about, but there were still good fights, so... Um, and then, of no. course, the, one of the finishes, the only finish... I had to, I, the only fight I watched afterward was uh, Smith Worthy um, first rounder because uh, that's when I had to go from my place to the the pub I watched it in. Yeah, no, no doubt. The, the fights were exciting. Uh, I didn't hear anybody complain about the action. I mean, yeah. they were good fights, and when you have good even match fights, they go to decision. I was just sitting there, you know. Keep in mind, I was at UFC 76, which was titled UFC 76 Knockout. And I sat there and watched every fight on the main card go to a decision. So that was so it was the same arena. I, I was kind of joking about that when Liddell walked into the arena. I'm going, God, here we go again. I mean, I think even Jardine was there. So that was the headline that that night in uh, for ninety or seventy six. So uh, it was cool, but yeah, like uh, you know, the Sandhagen a Sun Sal fight. Uh, 
was a good one just because it yeah. was it, it meant something. I, I think that was the uh, that was my biggest takeaway from this event. Actually, as we, as we go through the card, is that it's nice when you have a card where the fights mean something. Yeah. We, occasionally we get some good fights, but they don't really have a they don't they don't have anywhere to go. I mean, this one it's it seemed like uh, I mean primarily the top three fights on the card but like I said the Sandhagen of Sun Tzu was a big one if Sun Tzu had pulled out a victory there he again becomes basically the number one contender uh, ranking wise uh, as it turns out Sandhagen pulls out a, a unanimous decision and he'll move up the rankings I think he came in at like eight or nine so now I imagine he'll jump almost into the top five uh, and, and he becomes a fight away from a from probably a number one contender bout um you mentioned the the comma worthy and uh, Devontae Smith fight. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I think Worthy coming in was the biggest underdog on the card. I think he was plus like eleven hundred. Yeah, um, he was, which... and and that was the thing that that one of the things I took away that I didn't actually. I mean, so for just for folks listening, that the if you follow any of my writing at any of the sites I write for, I uh, I'm going to be doing a seven takeaways from every pay per view event. And uh, UFC 241 was my first one, um, but that was one of the fights that I, I wanted to write about. But obviously, other things happened. But that was one of the things that, uh, yeah, man, that uh, it was so fast. Like I said, that, that's the one that I missed heading over to the pub that I watched the fights in. But um, when I rewatched it, like uh, I was, I was surprised that that they actually knew each other so well. Because usually, when fighters know each other, it's it's it they usually can go a little long. But obviously they knew each other, but obviously they have they've been separated long enough for folks to change up and evolve in their game. Yeah, um, and, and I mean it was like I said, it was the biggest upset of the, the card, the biggest underdog on the card. So um, it was interesting. The fight started a little slow. Uh, you rewatched it uh, again. My perspective from inside the arena is always a little different and it's a little mm. more distracting. But I remember it fi- a feeling that like it kind of started off slow. The crowd got a little bit antsy, uh, and then uh, and then Worthy. It, it was actually a they actually hit landing punches on each other, and yeah. Worthy uh, caught him with the more powerful shot and put Smith down. But I remember that waking the crowd not not waking the crowd up again because, like I said, the prelims were were exciting fights. But it was just nice to see a finish. Uh, it, it, you know, a lot of people there. I was with a couple of people who was their first like UFC event, so for them it was it was, you know, they want to see someone get knocked out. You want to see someone get submitted, uh, even if the fights are good. So that really got the night going. From that point on, it was pretty much uh, nonstop action. Uh, the Derek Brunson fight uh, kicked off the uh, main card uh, with Ian uh, Heinish. <laughs> uh, not the I shouldn't that was probably it was it was an okay fight I had some back and forth um Brunson picks up the unanimous decision win I think I picked against him too so that, that was I mean it was he did fight well so I don't know why I thought uh I don't know why I thought he lost his step that I picked against him but well I think we saw Heinish as the uh as the up-and-coming I mean he yeah. came into the fight at 13 and one uh he had had some coming off a win over Carlos Jr., uh, who, you know, to me is a, is a great fighter. And so he dominant win over him, you know, but Brunson, Brunson really needed the win. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to look back at his record and see exactly where he's at in his last few fights, but anybody who watches him know he's kind of up and down. And uh, in that, in the, in the middleweight division, there's not really a whole lot of uh, breathing room. Uh, 
uh, if he loses a fight. So. Yeah. Uh, that moved on to Sadiq Youssef uh, versus Gabriel Benitez. Again, we got a uh, we got a knockout here. Uh, Sadiq with the uh, with the KO win over Benitez in a uh, in a fun fun one round fight. That was that was another exciting fight. That uh, yeah, I mean not for nothing it went exactly as I expected it to go. I like Youssef. Um, you know, uh, he's one of these one of these guys that uh, that uh. Uh, one of the things about the card, I mean, with Nate Diaz coming back, and and uh, I know we're going to talk about that, um, but like uh, these guys on the come up, and then and guys on the card that are names, you know, um, it's one of these things that it's, it's. I think we're noticing another like evolution in the sport, and uh, Yusuf's one of those guys for me. He's going to be he's going to be pretty well known. I, I want to say in like a year and a half, two years, I see him being a definitely definitely force at featherweight yeah no he's exciting um nigerian fighter there's a few of those now so he's gonna have that backing uh, wouldn't be surprised if ufc tries to do something in africa uh, sooner than later considering uh, i know the conversations have already been brought up so so that makes sense and that could be something that really gives him a huge international push if, yeah. if that comes uh that knockout really set the stage for for the final three fights of the night and the three on the poster and the three everybody was was really talking about for the last uh, you know couple months and you know shockingly to me that all three of these fights held together and uh, we didn't really have any cancellations on this card and I guess that goes to show you that too when you fights don't get canceled the, the UFC cards can really uh, can really hold a little bit more of a punch than, than when, when you start getting gutted but uh for me, the fight of the night um, and, and the fight that I kind of was most interested in going into this event, Paulo Costa, a lot of people, uh, Yola yeah. Romero. Um, I said it last week uh, when we had our guest on that uh, it was like two gladiators basically going in there, two barbarians going in there. And uh, man, they lived up to the hype. That was 15 minutes of just swinging and head kicks and. You know, Romero's just an animal. Uh, Costa ended up picking up the uh, unanimous uh, decision win, 29-28 on all three cards. But I mean, it was—I mean, a draw would have been really fine down the line. I know there was a little controversy. Um, I, I thought it was clearly one round each, and then there was another round that was close. Mm-hmm. I have no—I have no problem with the decision. I'm glad to see Costa actually get the win. Um, Me neither. He becomes a you know thirteen and zero prospect at that and, and real contender and, and yeah um, I don't think Romero was going to get another third fight uh, I thought I, I'm not sure where that would have went with uh, maybe if Adesanya would have uh, beats uh, Whitaker but I, I didn't really want to see Yoel uh, Romero Whitaker three right now I guess with all the other potential matchups so yeah. I don't know uh, I, I said it walking out of that arena. One of the greatest crimes we've had in this sport is not getting to see a 25-year-old Romero. The fact <laughs> he started the sport at like what 34, 35. Yeah. Um, now he's like 42. I mean, that guy is an animal. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, the the thing about like uh, I know there's people that are that are pissed and thought Romero won, but so one of the in the seven takeaways piece, one of the things I did write about was. Um, uh, you know, if you if you walk backwards too much in a fight, that's that's what's going to cost you the fight. I mean, we we we've seen uh, we saw Benson Henderson do that enough to not 
get you know renewed for the UFC or when he make him leave the UFC or whatever happened with uh, him in the UFC. I forget if it was on his terms or mutual or whatever the case is. But um, and he gets booed a lot. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of shit for. I mean, essentially fighting as safe as you can, which is I mean, I thought it was smart. Romero fought a really smart fight, trying to counter, move away and counter. You know, I mean, not for nothing. He is 42, so any significant injury is going to linger for a while, uh, especially at at the you know with the damage he's taken over the years competing and stuff. Um, granted, he's got a way better body than I'll ever have, but still, you know. Um, but all that goes to say that uh, you know him playing it safe and walking backwards, hoping to you know get that lucky shot that he did get in that in that early round, but you know they kind of dropped each other, but. Um, yeah, that's not going to win you any fights if it goes to a decision if you don't get the finish. So I was surprised that he only did the one takedown. Uh, and then um, he, he just he just did that backpedaling thing the whole the whole rest of the fight. So that's I wasn't surprised about the decision. And I like them both, man. I mean, I'm like you said, I'm gl- I, I, I'm glad that uh, Costa's moving forward. I know Dana White said that um, he's he he's gonna fly him out to Australia for the Whitaker Adesanya thing so he can be ringside and kind of they can start stirring that up um, but um, I, it, it's nice to see uh, a shake up like you said I don't know if I would have been um, a Whitaker Romero 3 would be something I'd be excited for like if it's on right now and, and when it's happening I don't know if I'd be motivated and hyped in the build up I'd, I'd get excited as soon as it started though but I'm not dying to see it no exactly I mean honestly I'd rather see Costa Romero 2 and see Romero Whitaker 3 at this point. Um, but there's no reason to do that. Um, there's plenty of fights for both guys. Uh, if, uh, you know, so we'll see. I mean, there's some things Romero can do. Maybe Romero goes up, tries 205. Uh, you know, if uh, if uh, Weidman's able to get by Reyes, maybe you do Weidman uh, Romero 2 uh at 205 or something like that i mean there's there's a there's a bunch of options at this point yeah. in his career i think it's uh i think getting a title is probably uh hard to do i mean he essentially could have got one if he would have made weight against Rockholt. but uh at this a point a couple I think of monsters to, yeah it's, i just try to he- headline some fights and, and... some guy uh that didn't really follow the sport will ask me are these guys heavyweights and i was like no they're middleweights they're 185ers no, and that, that's that's what's funny too, because so we go from this 185 fight to the the co-main event of the night, which in California here was was the f- fight that the fans uh, came out to see. Uh, Nate Diaz, huge following in really all of California, uh, when Nick used to fight in San Diego for uh, Strike Force, same kind of things. Fans came out and and droves to watch him compete. Always been fans of the Diaz uh, brothers here in California. He fights Anthony Pettis. Um, and uh, the result of the fight, Nate Diaz uh, wins a unanimous three-round decision in, in a in a really good, a really good fight. Yeah. Um, but it was just funny seeing those guys take the cage after Costa Romero. Basically, they're supposed to be one weight class apart. But you would, I mean, could you imagine Anthony Pettis standing in there with uh, with Costa in a fight? I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean Romero's a house, uh, so same thing. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine anybody's like just trying to look normal next to Yoel Romero. Yeah, I mean, but the, it just seemed like we were going from like heavyweights down to down to 
you know, Walter weights as opposed to just one weight class, uh, you know, 15, in theory, 15 pound difference as far as the weighing goes. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Nate Diaz comes back. Uh, I believe I picked Pettis to win. Uh, I didn't think Diaz would look sharp. I thought he'd be a little bit rusty and I was wrong. Uh, he sure was. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was wrong. And, uh, you know, I, the guy's hilarious. Um, his uh his shtick i mean it's not a shtick it's it's apparently exactly who nick diaz or nate diaz is i mean if he's been doing it for 15 years it is who he is so i just uh it's uh it was fun man the the crowd was into it uh and the fight lived up to the hype again it doesn't always happen but uh pettis came in and had a really nice first round uh cut cut diaz Uh, it seemed like diaz was actually tired uh when he was on his stool and uh yeah he admitted afterward actually in a uh, backstage interview he said he, he did get tired which is weird to hear him say because he's that's not nor- something normal for him but you know it is, yeah, I, it heard, is. I, I heard him say he's used to the five round fights and he came out kind of throwing heavy and hard early as opposed to kind of pacing himself which he had gotten used to with the, the five rounders so mm-hmm. and that, that could be true could be not could be the layoff could have had a little bit of an adrenaline dump uh could have been anthony pettis um, coming out, you know, two world-class fighters, but Diaz really turned it on in the second and the third round and um, made it clear that, that he was the the better fighter on the night. And uh, and then he called out uh, Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. Uh, I was glad to see he didn't call out Connor because I, I don't... No. I don't think... I think Connor right now is a is a... I don't know. He, he, to me, he's barely even an MMA fighter at this he's point. Ir- he's he irrelevant. He's irrelevant. And that was one of the things from uh, actually this that fight alone uh, spurred three of my seven takeaways from that event. When uh, the final one was uh, that I wrote was that Connor, we don't need Connor McGregor, you know, um, and uh, but we do. We're all we're all about. Everybody wants to see Masvidal Diaz for for this baddest motherfucker belt that he invented that night in the, in the cage, and then um, but the thing is too like um, the other that that's two, and then the third one being which was the first one I wrote, um, is that um, if you guys ever watched True Detective when uh, the character Russell Cole refers to uh, time as being a flat circle, and how we're always gonna do what we's always, we've always done. I mean that was so relevant to Nate Diaz. The only difference is that it looks like obviously. I mean, we we, we know the Diaz brothers always train and are always staying ready for something. But um, you know, the biggest the biggest takeaway before the fire. I'm sorry, the biggest criticism before the fight that folks were having about Nate Diaz was uh, Pettis's kicking being the advantage and how he was probably going to shred up uh, you know Nate Diaz with leg kicks. But um, and I mentioned it in the in the article. You know, he checked uh, he checked a few of those kicks and uh i think you can watch there's somebody put the video out there because you know pettis broke his foot he had to go to the hospital after that fight one of those checks is what broke his foot so if nate diaz is actually closing up the holes in his game uh you know i'm all about him and masvidal and uh, i the what he was saying about the bad motherfucker and veterans and stuff like that i know in his like slurred way of speaking and, and stuff so people probably aren't getting it. They're laughing at the funnier shit he says, you know, about fathering the division for so many years or, or with such shit like that. But 
you know, he is saying some pretty honest things when it comes to the sports evolution and how marketing is done and how rankings have gone in the toilet. So the the fights he's saying he wants are the fighters that have been there doing it for a while, like Masvidal. You know, he wants to fight. He's saying Pettis too. That's why he wanted the Pettis fight. That that's why he wants the Masvidal fight. And um, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. And if he if he can market the fight like that and get us all interested the way he did on Saturday, I mean, I hope he doesn't take another layoff unless he's retiring or something. But yeah, I'm all about like. I mean, uh, the news today, actually, Masvidal obviously agreed to it, and he said he'd like time to prepare and, and for it to be in December. So I guess we're not looking at them coming to the garden. But I mean, shoot, that'd be a great, that'd be a great, uh, that would be a great fight to have on that card. Yeah, I would make. Yeah, um, I the announced for. I uh, gosh, I lost track of the numbers, but the December fourteenth. There's no New Year's Eve card this year. Uh, which is they, they moved it up a couple weeks. So it's December 14th in Vegas. They announced that uh, uh, Amanda Nunez would be fighting uh, uh, your girl, Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't <laughs> think that that's a big enough fight to headline. I know Nunez is a huge name. I, I wonder if they would make that title fight, the co-main event, do Diaz Masvidal, uh, a non-title fight as the, as the headliner. I wonder if they would they would do that because I I see people talking about you know how it should be a main event or pay per view headliner and I I always kind of laugh at that that if you know why do you want I, I, it's a great fight it could headline any fight night it's just for a pay per view to me it's got to be a title fight or you got to have a hell of a stacked card I mean and, does it really need to be a title fight like like uh, 202 was a uh, was a uh, wasn't that McGregor that's Conor McGregor though yeah. I don't I don't know do you do you think the average fan I mean I don't I guess you know I, I mean I mean maybe maybe you're right in the sense because I mean obviously I mean 241 did so well I mean it did have the title fight with the, we're going to talk about and then um but uh a lot of people I mean the buzzingest the buzziest fight after the event it was Nate Diaz and the calling out of Masvidal and his return. So, like, even uh, Dana White, you know, went back on changes, changed what he said about Nate Diaz about not being a needle mover, saying he's a needle mover now. And um, I mean, you need a needle mover because look at uh, I mean, not for nothing, the last time you were out here and they were in the garden, Daniel Cormier headlined that card, and um. You know that didn't break any records like the other two uh, MSG cards. You know, no, no, and I'm not saying that it it can't headline. If your co-main event is Nunez Duran to me, I think you're fine. I just think that you're you have to have a title fight on the card um, to sell a pay-per-view. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but we don't know the numbers. ESPN's already paid for them. We don't know. Uh, Diaz alone by himself against Masvidal might do half a million. Uh, Diaz and McGregor does 1.5 million. I don't, you know, but that was the Connor effect and and his delusional fans that paid for all the <laughs> uh, paid for all those fights. But uh, I, I don't know. I I just feel like uh, there's got to be whether I don't know who else it, it could be any title fight it could be its co-main event. It doesn't have to be that the Nunes card. I just don't know if Nunes is a big enough name against Durandamy to carry a pay-per-view. So it makes sense to me that even if Diaz was in theory the co-main event, but the problem there is you only get three rounds. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world to me, you do Diaz Masvidal, main event five rounder, and then your co-main event is Nunez Durandamy, and it's just how it is. 
You know, I don't think Nunez would necessarily have a problem with that. She's making more money off of, uh, again, I don't know if we even have pay-per-view points anymore. But in theory, if, if it's a, based off of any kind of bonus for pay-per-view sales, I can't imagine she wouldn't want to be on a on a card with Diaz and you yeah. know, put Diaz's mug on the on the poster and and sell the event. But I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. I, but I, I don't I don't know the ins and outs anymore. We don't see the numbers, so I don't. I mean, we don't we don't even see we see the the prelim view numbers. Uh, but we don't actually see any of the pay-per-view numbers anymore, even for uh, like this past weekend's card. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it did well. I mean, it looked like uh, I've never seen. Uh, you know, I have to watch all the post-fight pressers, and I've never seen Dana White so happy as he was at the end of this card. And he even said everybody's happy. ESPN is very happy. He said ESPN was happy. So obviously, uh, I don't know if subscribership went up, so people could order this thing. Um, people are junk going through those freaking loopholes to order a damn pay-per-view but uh hey it is what it is i guess i mean because i know that they're still doing that every pay-per-view i i uh from what i gather you know you you pay that big wad up front for the event and a year's worth of plus um so i guess people did that for uh for this past event if you're gonna order the event i mean that's the way to do it yeah. Um, you cancel your ESPN thing because it says it's for new people only. You figure out another credit card and you do that. Otherwise, I mean, the long run, <laughs> it, saves, it saves you 35 or 40 bucks out of the year on, yeah. on ESPN Plus uh, charges. So so that was the coming event. Again, DS picks up a big win, calls out Masvidal. That moves us to the heavyweight uh, World Heavyweight Championship fight. Uh, Daniel Cormier comes in, uh, former double champ, uh, fights Steve Miocic, the guy he took the heavyweight title from last july and uh can't say it went exactly how i thought it was gonna go but uh i did think uh miosic was gonna pull this one out so and he did by uh by fourth round knockout uh cormier came out on fire early did a lot of damage uh i I don't know what your take is but uh i felt like in the first round cormier picked up miosic and stood in the middle of the ring with him on his back and and eventually ended up, you know, dumping him to the ground. But it was probably about a 20 second, uh, I don't know, maybe it wasn't, 10 second, 20 second moment where he had him picked up. Uh, I don't know if that's the smartest move in a five round fight. I feel like that that's no matter who you are, no matter what kind of shape you're in, picking up a 240 pound guy, walking around the cage with him on your back, and then using the energy to strategically slam him might not have been the best thing for a long term fight. Um, I, I don't think I don't think that had anything to do with it. I mean, it just uh, I think uh, not for nothing. I mean, Miocic even said in the post-fight presser, um, he just decided to to start going for the body in the later rounds because uh, he had noticed in in the previous round that Cormier had winced a bit when he the, for the ones he'd landed earlier. So because up until that, I mean, not for nothing. Uh, and I, I was saying it that night, and then Cormier actually said the exact same words. Uh, when he spoke with Brett Okamoto, he was like, I was winning right up until I lost. And he was, you know, um. he, he won the first two rounds. Uh, third round, the judges actually gave it to Miosic. It was a close round. I know Cormier outstruck him, but uh, I definitely felt like the momentum was shifting. I commented to people yeah. around me that third round was kind of the round going into the third round. I said, this is a big round because I even felt like the end of the second round, uh, it, I mean, again, I'm watching it from the crowd, so my perspective is different than TV. It just seemed to me that Cormier wasn't moving as well and that both guys were standing basically in front of each other 
and open for big shots. Yeah. It was just a matter of time. I yeah. felt like before one of them landed, there wasn't a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of moving around. It was basically two guys kind of plodding around the cage, but for the most part, standing in front of each other. Um, third round, Miosic started taking advantage of some stuff. As you said, Cormier started showing a little bit of weakness. And then in the fourth round, he started dialing in uh, well, the, I, the left I, hook to the body. And at that point, it, and I think the mistake that Cormier made was because uh, that's when in the third round is when he. Tr- he, if, and from my perspective, it looked like he tried doing the same thing he did in the first fight, which was do this thing where he walks out and tries to bait for the clinch uh-huh. so he, he can impose his wrestling on him. And um, I guess Miocic got wise after the slam and was like, I'm not going to do that again, which which is what prompted the, the body shot. And then, uh, and, um, you know, if you're uh, even if it was on purpose, I doubt he was watching his chest move and stuff like that. But um, if, if you get if you get caught in the solar plexus or the liver or any any of those sensitive organs, when you're taking air in, it will th- it'll throw you off. If it doesn't hurt, it'll definitely throw off your breathing, which will make you pause. So I don't know which one of it, which one of those things was the case, but it was so obvious that uh, Cormier was it threw Cormier off, and that led to his demise. And that was I mean that was a solid finish for Miocic, but um, I mean. He said he was he he was even hard on himself afterwards because he thought he he fought the first couple of rounds uh, overly cautious, but I mean if you lost to someone before and you felt them already, you know you you kind of have to be cautious. I thought it was going to go longer and I thought Cormier could have won it, but uh, once that body shot landed, you could see it from because you know obviously with the, with the my perspective I had a better shot and surprisingly great audio where I was watching it, but um. I was just like, holy cow, like I saw that he was hurt and uh, Miocic just saw he saw that and was just, you know, fired away. Um, good for him, though. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I I think it sets up a, a, a must trilogy. I don't know where Cormier is as far as retirement, but to me, I mean, uh, we've had trilogies that didn't make a lot of sense. We've had rematches that didn't make a lot of sense. I don't see a better storyline than a trilogy between two guys that knocked each other out. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's a fight that I, you know, I did, I wasn't too hyped on this rematch. Um, I felt like Miosic should have fought somebody over the last year, but yeah. now after coming off of this fight where it was a good back and forth, uh, well, not like the first round where it was a, a one round or three minute fight. I, I just feel like, you know, if they announced a trilogy fight in, in three months or four months from now that, it would be something I would look forward to and, yeah. and to find out really who is the, the best heavyweight in the UFC at, at, at this point. So I don't know. Well, uh, it seems like a moneymaker too. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing that, uh, and I wrote it when I talked about the seven takeaways that I wrote for MMA news. Um, that was what I took away from that fight. Uh, what you just said. Uh, Cause I, I was thinking the same way up until this fight happened. Um, you know, I, w- I thought Miocha should have fought someone else. I, I didn't think he should be so stubborn as to, you know, you know, kind of huff and puff and wait until he got his title shot, but he did and he got it and it paid off for him. So I actually don't mind that he didn't fight anyone else because, um, you know, it was another testament to, and I didn't write about this. I probably should have, but I only had so many words that I could use, uh, when I was drafting the piece. But the other thing is too, um, this was kind of his version of, uh, of a strike against how ridiculous the rankings are getting. Because you know they're ready to throw Brock Lesnar in there against Daniel Cormier, and that didn't. And you just talked about pay-per-view points and stuff. 
I mean, apparently Brock Lesnar knows there's no pay-per-view points because that's why he he stopped training and said, uh, "Screw this, I'll go back to fake fake fighting in uh, the WWE." Um, so I think it was it was uh, kudos to Mielchich for being stubborn and waiting because it paid off for him. His patience paid off, and and um, now we're all talking about Cormier Mielchich three. And um, I don't know if you listen to Chael Sonnen's podcast, but the, his preview. He actually said, I don't see Daniel Cormier re- retiring, um, win or lose, especially if it's a, a loss, because now they're one and one. It's not like the John Jones where, where he lost two in a row against mm, him, exactly. despite despite whatever the sanctions and all that shit that happened afterwards. You know, they're one and one. The, the, the One more fight has to settle it between them two. And I'm actually more excited for that than any, any potential Jones-Cormier, you know, do-over. No, I agree. Uh, that's the. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, uh, one one thing of note, and I don't know if you saw it, but did you see that Cormier came into the cage like 12, 13 pounds heavier than what he weighed in at? The night of, yeah, I did see that. That's. Uh, we, I'm curious. I would like to see somebody ask him that question. I'm curious as to what, how that happened. I mean, I, I you're not cutting weight. What? I mean, or does he cut weight because he felt like he'd look terrible on the scales before? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I, it's, it's, you know, I realize being that big, you can put on weight, uh, you know, a couple good meals, but it, it you usually don't see that. There's usually not a, a more than a couple pounds. A significant, yeah. Hey man, I mean, not for nothing. you the body does strange things when you get around, uh, me, me and Cormier's age. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm still I, I, trying to. I'm still trying to lose 15 pounds from February. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, it, it. You weren't training for a fight, and then all of a sudden, it, in a matter of 24 hours, to put on 15 pounds. Yeah. Uh, when you had no reason to be dehydrated at hey, all. Yeah, but, I mean, it it could be a sign of him taking Miocic lightly because he won the first time. Maybe after they did made weight because they, you know, they both came in. Uh, lighter than the first time that they weighed in for when they fought each other, so maybe it's it was it was a sign of him just saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really uh, you know rehydrate and you know what I mean? Like maybe that he went out celebrating yeah. and then thinking it was gonna be because you know he was he was very jovial all week talking about his retirement. So uh-huh. maybe, maybe there was a part of him that thought he had this in the bag, you know? Yeah, no, I mean it mentally he knocked the guy out in a couple minutes in the first fight, so yeah. I'm not. It's not a criticism of Cormier. I just would be curious to see if it was just a natural body thing, or if it was something where he literally went out and had a, you know, sixty ounce porterhouse or something, you know, <laughs> right after the weigh-in. But yeah. uh, or, or or eight eight sooner to the. I mean, I'm not sure when they do the weigh-in for the pre-fight weigh-in. I don't know when that takes place, but maybe he had a big breakfast in the morning and jumped right on the scale i i don't know and it's not it's really relevant it's just kind of an interesting thing that i, I don't see very often. yeah i don't think i mean i doubt that they're they're ingesting anything in the morning of the way and so those guys are usually pretty stressed out right up until that point yeah no i i i that's why I, it, it makes it curious so so great event um great crowd sellout crowd loud crowd uh didn't really see any fights or any of that kind of stuff um in, in spite of it being a ds crowd which could potentially lead to, to some of that action, but uh, that was a great event. One other fight of note over the weekend uh, from Ryzen, uh, which we should uh, at oh, least yeah. talk about real quick. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, the champ champ from Bellator Ryzen, gets knocked out in 60 seconds or 
give or take a few 65 seconds uh, by Kaya Sakura, uh, one of the uh, up and coming uh, Sakura brothers, who I believe moved to uh, 12, 13 and one, maybe 14 and one with the victory, huge upset. Um, and uh, one of the gambles that uh, Japanese promotions always have when they have non-title fights uh, and when you don't necessarily have a promotion deep enough you, they gotta keep Horiguchi going which is, is great for fight fans uh, I don't think it's a huge uh, I think it's actually I see a lot of people disappointed online about Horiguchi losing he's obviously a big fan favorite uh, and, and as, as am I uh, I look at it a little differently Asakura knocks him out now you have a rivalry forming in Japan where you need a rivalry and you need a fight Horiguchi goes in, wins the rematch again sets up a trilogy this could uh, potentially be something that uh, Ryzen could could feed off of for the next you know, couple years really depending on how everything unfolds uh, and maybe Asakura gets sent to Bellator now, I mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things uh, where he just made a name for himself and uh, and things could happen but, but a huge upset with that said, uh, we move, we look forward to the co-main and main event this weekend's Bellator 225 card. I know you're not making it, but it's out in uh, in, in Connecticut. Uh, At the Webster Bank Arena. It's the first uh, big MMA event. They've had, I think they had a CES there already, but it's the first big MMA event that's not on a Native American reservation because uh, apparently uh, you know, they had some MMA troubles there too that are, are no longer... So it's a big, pretty big deal for the a uh, lot of the local fighters in the Northeast. No, that's good. I was going to ask you that because I noticed it, it doesn't say anything about uh, the typical, the typical uh, arenas that, that they go to in Connecticut. So uh, this event is headlined by Matt Mitrione versus uh, Sergey Karatanov. Two first fight ended in about 15 seconds when Mitrione landed a low blow on yeah. Sergey. And, uh, that one I was there for, unfortunately. That was yeah, that was that was an ugly <laughs> end. So they'll rematch. Um, the co-main event another fight that has a lot of interest in it, uh, for me at least, and, and for heavyweight fight fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vitaly Minikov coming off a controversial loss to uh, Czech Congo, who will be getting the next title fight against uh, Ryan Bader on September 7th. Uh, he faces off against Javi Ayala, who's coming off of uh, a big win over uh, Frank Mir, where he, uh, he dismantled the guy. Um, and... Uh, and that was coming off prior to him losing to Czech Congo. So Congo actually has a win over both these guys. Uh, Congo's one one with Minikoff going back to old school Bellator. But um, I, I think it's an interesting fight. I, uh, I think it's a fight that where we find out where, uh, where Minikoff really stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, a loss here would really probably bury him and very well might send him. I mean, he, he's a world-class heavyweight. But the bottom line is, if you, if you return to Bellator and you go 0-2, uh, there might not be a... There, you could potentially see him backfighting and perhaps Risen or uh, or, uh, or or somewhere else in, in Russia. But I think he wins this fight. Uh, I, I think he manages to take down Ayala and, and do a bunch of damage on the ground. Uh, Ayala's tough as hell, but uh, I think it's a, there's a level of... Uh, competition and, and skill here where I got to go with Minikov. Um, mm, yeah. That's that's where I'm going with it. Wouldn't surprise me if Ayala catches him. Um, yeah, that, that, that's that's he, pretty much, it, yeah. But, yeah, he did it to Karatanov. Yeah, so. exactly. exactly. And, and like I said, he beat the hell out of Mir. And, uh, but I feel like Minikov is being the younger, 
you know, compared to Frank Mir, obviously a younger fighter. Mir had Ayala in trouble on the ground early in that fight, and I feel like if Minikov gets to him down in that situation, he's going to do heavy damage, and uh, I don't see Ayala recovering, but I think it'll be a good fight. Yeah, um, and he, I think he can also, if, if if he grapples with Ayala, I think he'll he'll dominate there and control him on the ground. Um, Ayala is not ba- not bad, but uh, he's 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 shown that 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 can be a frustrating fight for him and he's lost uh you know on the on uh, decisions uh based on that so um yeah i mean uh i'm i'm with you on that one and then that goes to the main event matt mitrione sergey karatanov two uh in theory like i said the first fight lasted 15 seconds uh first fight i picked karatanov to win Ooh, i think i'm gonna switch this goes against me. I, I usually don't pick against the Russians. I usually don't pick against Sergey Karatanov. Uh, but I think Mitrione lands a big no shot. No collusion. No collusion. What do you mean you don't <laughs> pick against the Russians? I usually don't. Uh, <laughs> big big fan of uh, of all of them. Uh, yeah, I know. Most, most of the time. Yeah, you know that. Believe me, uh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Everybody knows. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mitrione on this one. Uh I, I feel like he's going to land something big, big hook or something, and uh, and, and, and rock Sergey. And, uh, I have no real reason. I, I don't have any any kind of research or anything on that. I just it's just a feeling I have. So that's where I'm going to go with that. I wouldn't bet money on my bet or on my uh, choice, but that's uh, I, I just have a feeling that that Mitrione somehow pulls the victory yeah. out here with a big punch. Speaking of betting, man. All these apps that they that you know with the sports betting being legalized in state to state and especially here in Jersey, you know they, they need to stop dick riding the UFC. I'd like to bet on some Bellator events, and rarely are they ever listed. Rarely, and this is one of the ones that I'm like, come on, man, you know. But um, anyway, uh, I'm picking Matt Mitrione just because of his uh, reach and striking. I, I think uh, I think you give uh, Carton up some problems as well. Um. So uh, it looks like you and I are in agreement with the Bellator card. Yes, we are. Uh, for the top two other names on the card, Alejandro Lara's on the card, Tyrell Fortune, uh, Dave Rickles, um, Amazov the, is fighting Rickles. Amazov's 21-0. Nick Newell, uh, many fans will know him. He's Oh, yeah. He's going to have one a... Hand. Yeah, just uh, really quick because of the region that and where this is happening. This is a pretty big deal out here in the uh, Northeast with the with the uh, web have, having it at Webster Bank Arena, so you're going to have a lot of like northeastern favorites like Nick Newell, uh, Mike Kimball, who uh, uh, I'm going to try to get him uh, afterwards. Hopefully, he pulls off a W. Um, I spoke with him privately. We we're supposed to do an interview for Sure Dog, and uh, his other ones ran over. So my time, I was the guy that got bumped of all people, if you can believe that. But. Um, <laughs> Thank God I talked to him because I've, I've followed his career since he started it. He's got a young career, up-and-comer. Um, but, yeah, Nick Newell, um, Castro Zema, who's also a, a favorite up, uh, out here in the Northeast, and uh, Ricky Bandejas, who's out from Jersey. He's also on the prelims against uh, Ahmed Karetli. I can't pronounce his name. So a lot, a lot of uh, the regulars that are would be on a Mohegan Sun card and stuff like that that you mentioned, and uh, Crony Gracie, who fought at the Garden as well. So... Um, coincidentally, a lot of the guys that uh, that fought at the Garden are, are uh, fighting again. Um, so good for them. Oh, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Austin Vanderford, Mr. Paige Van Zandt himself. I was going to say, yeah, you can't <laughs> forget him. Uh, and 
yeah, it, it, the, the, there's a look, it looks like I'm seeing uh, 16 total fights on the card, so there'll be a loaded prelims. Mm -hmm. uh, this event is on DAZN and Paramount at uh, main card begins at uh, six nine o'clock Eastern. Uh, so uh, fun, fun night of fights. I uh, feel like we haven't had Bellator in a little while. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that, that's nice. And then, and then Bellator really heats up through uh, September. About in your neck of the woods. Yep, they go come this way. They go. I think they stop in uh, in Ireland for an event, and then they really come close this way uh, down here in Pachanga. So, so that'll be good. Um, so that's it for this show. Uh, fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter at Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. You can follow me at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Uh, Ed, we're looking to have an interview for another show later this week. So uh, stay tuned, uh, listeners, for that one. Uh, until then, Ed, uh, I'll be talking to you in the next couple of days. Uh, what does this Johnny the Greek say? The, uh, snatch him, don't crash him, or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right.